This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? Lots going on in the world. Watching uh, a couple days ago, tracking the announcement that Trump might be starting his own social media platform. Last week I was watching, and into this week, the response to the Dave Chappelle piece over at Netflix and people walking out and workers striking. There's a lot going on in the world, y'all. But what I really see it all being wrapped up in is humanity and compassion, and I'm thankful for that because as always, as a mental health activist and social justice activist, I want people to get their needs met. So I will always be on the side of the worker and the individuals trying to get healthcare and fair wages, and so I'm glad people are striking, I'm glad people are leaving jobs that aren't providing you know basic needs. Um, and I'm glad that people are holding Netflix accountable. I still have not seen the comedic special. I'm not interested. Uh, so I'm kind of on the outside of that, which is a little strange for some people. They're like, just watch it so you can have a firm opinion. I don't. But what I did want to start today's show talking about is tips to be a better trans ally. Um, this is important for all of us, whether we know trans individuals or not, because we live in the world, we're going to encounter them, see them on television, have them in our family. Uh, and us ourselves might be going on a gender explorative journey. I think it's really important for everyone to take some time to sit down and say, hey, I wonder how me being raised or identifying with the gender identify with and the way that I was raised as a result of my gender presentation and my sexual anatomy, how might that be working for me or against me? Um, I've had to do that. You know, what has my manhood or my malehood, how's it worked for me and against me? What are the negatives and what are the benefits? Lots of benefits. Uh, also lots of negatives. I'm, I'm still always trying to allow myself to be to be myself, to be authentic, to be a total person, which means all feelings and attributes, some that are traditionally associated with maleness and sometimes with femaleness. There are no traits that are inherently male. There are no traits that are inherently female. Um, all genders have the ability to exhibit all these traits. And until we really get outside of this gender policing and a lot of the gender training, we'll never really know who we are authentically because we're always forced into these different boxes. Our professionalism does that, our sexual orientation does that. It's quite profound how the minute we start to be identified or to identify, we start to limit how we live in the world and move through the world because we try to live up to those labels. Always trying to be professional because I'm a professional. Well, inherently, that's a movement away from authenticity because you're trying to perform professionalism, trying to perform maleness, trying to perform heterosexuality. It's quite profound when you look at all the different labels and how they might be reducing who you are down more and down more and down more. And to your left with just this like shred of truth, I do that work with some clients and we'll break it down. How does your heterosexuality, how's your heterosexuality or homosexuality um, limit you? How does it hold you back? What behaviors, attributes, or ways of living in the world are you not engaging in because it really goes against your homosexuality or your heterosexuality? And that's what we call homonormativity and heteronormativity. It's quite violent. Um, there's a lot of scripts that we believe we have to live up to. And then we go into gender. How does your non-binary identity or your trans identity or your cis-hetero identity, um, how do those pieces come in there? Uh, how's professionalism? How about how does being a mom limit you? This idea that as a mom, I need to dot, 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 or as a mom, I can no longer dot, dot, dot. That's a movement away from mental health. I want people to be their full total selves at all times and all spaces. Uh, and so I, I, I am seeing that, you know, with people working from home and dressing more comfortably and casually and all these different little pieces, people fighting and leaving jobs when they're not getting fair wages or treated well. I, I'm here for it. I, I, I love this current wave of people having boundaries and centering pleasure and comfort and really challenging these identities. Um, no one's a true heterosexual. No one's a true homosexual. No one's a true 
you know, cisgendered individual. We all have parts of ourselves that leak outside and lean outside of those labels. So, um, you know, tips on being a better trans ally to trans and gender non-conforming folks. I think that's important. Um, I'm working with a lot more people who are realizing that they don't necessarily identify with maleness or femaleness. And, you know, the work is about what does that mean? The first step is always the pronouns, normalizing pronouns. It is fascinating still how people have no problem learning someone's first name or learning a nickname, you know, a preferred name, a preferred nickname. We got that down. You know, even when I look at people's favorite athletes, they know their name, they know their stats, they know their number, their jersey number. We have no problem with all that. But someone says, hey, can you call me they and them? And we're like, whoa, I can't remember that. That's too much. What? It's called mental health and basic decency and respect. Just like if someone says, hey, I go by Tim, not Timothy. Like, we don't challenge that. I mean, technically that person's name is Timothy. That's what their ID says. But if they're like, yo, call me Tim or call me T or call me by my last name or 52, the number on my jersey, we're all like, yeah, that's cool. But someone says, can you call me by they and them pronouns? We're like, whoa, too far, too much. That's not who you are. Teachers will say that. Are you kidding me? You'll, you learn people's first names, last names. You understand nicknames. You know what I mean? It's really not that far of a jump. Um, it's a human rights issue. It's a mental health issue. So let's, let's normalize that. And I'm glad that people are starting to do that. I'm going to coffee shops where people have their pronouns on a little pin. Uh, people have it in their email signatures. I love that. I have it in mine. I have it on my social media. Whether you are cis or trans, putting your pronouns in your bio, um, on a badge on your shirt or wherever it is, is part of letting people be reminded that you can make no assumptions. Just by looking at someone's presentation, you don't know what their gender is. I'm here for that. Imagine having to actually find out and learn about who that person is. Let's normalize that. All right, we're going to take a little break, uh, and then we'll be back. So stick around, y'all. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be back. Good stuff to come. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about how to be a good trans ally or someone who's gender not conforming. Reason why it matters is because we live in the world and we're all going to encounter in some form all the different ways that people move through the world. It's a beautiful thing. I want everyone to explore it. I want everyone to push on their edges. That's what I tell people to do also with eroticism and sexuality. Push on your edges. Stop honoring these defined lines of I'm a male. So if I step into that, I've crossed into femaleness. That is not real or true. Any, anything a male does is a male trait. <laughs> anything a heterosexual person does is heterosexual. It is based on the definition of the person, not the act. We, we need to push on those boundaries. But um, the first thing we're talking about is just normalizing pronoun use, the acknowledgement of asking what someone's pronouns are and acknowledging that you can't make assumptions. And uh, a great way to do that, as we talked about, is putting them in your e uh, email signatures or on your different bios on your websites or social media. And it's really about normalizing the idea that we can't assume. 
The next thing we also have to do is start asking. There's nothing more respectful than saying to someone, hey, how do you like to be referred to? And I mean that even in terms of, again, people say that to me, do you want to be called Dr. Donahue, Dr. Chris? Do you want to be called Chris? Patients will ask that. We have to, they have no anxiety about asking that. Gender doesn't need to be any different than that. You know, saying, hi, what are your pronouns? That's actually an act of care and respect. And when someone says that to me, I feel very cared for because even though mine are the more basic he and him, it does let me know that they're a safe person in general. It lets me know that they have compassion in general. It lets me know that they're a little more aware of what's going on in the world in general. And I start to feel safer in general with them. So it, it's, a, it's a very welcoming stance. And we make a lot of assumptions based on how we think someone looks before us. We can't do that. So we're asking. Ask everyone whether you think they're trans or non-binary or not. Some people will offer it. You can also do that. That's another way to normalize. Like, hey guys, nice to meet y'all. My name is Chris. I go by he and him. It gets the conversation going and it reminds people. It normalizes. And that's what it's really about, making that a normal part of culture. That's where we're headed. So it doesn't matter whether or not you agree. That's where we're going. So you can get on the bus or get left behind. But that's where we're going. It's like technology. Y'all don't have to get a cell phone. You can have a landline. You don't have to have an email, but you're going to be left behind because people use email now as a very primary form of communication. People will try to text you. People don't pick up the phone. So if you're a landline person, you're going to miss out on a lot. People don't think to pick up the phone to call anymore. They want to text. They want to email, uh, send you a DM. And again, your decision, but it would serve you to participate in the world based on where we're at. Gender, creativity, is there's more of it coming, more and more and more of it coming. This is not a phase, this is not a trend. Gender explorative people have been with us since the beginning of time. So you can do a little history lesson and see that since the beginning of time. Some cultures, it's more revered. They give more respect and sacredness to it. It even shows up in religion, you know? Do a history lesson, you'll see it throughout time and place. More of it to come. I'm a, I'm a fan of it because Think of it, the world is vast, the world is creative, the world is complex, the world is nuanced. Why would we ever think that two options would be enough for anything? But we love the binary. We do it with everything. Things are good or bad. Nope, it's good or it's bad. But that's not true. Some things are both. Some things are nuanced. Some things have to be contextualized. Not everything is black and white, good or bad, a yes or a no, male or female. <laughs> it just doesn't work that way. So we, so this is just also just a general lesson in um, expansion of our, of our minds and living in the world, but get familiar with it. Uh, I think the biggest point though, is to not assume whenever I look at the research and I try to do research on my topics, that was one of the things that came up a lot is don't make any assumptions. Um, because again, you can't look at someone and based on what you're seeing before you decide what their identity might be and then what their pronouns might be. And the caveat to that is that they're also not fixed, which means they can change. And I love that. You People might change their gender multiple times throughout the week, just like people might do that with a lot of things, including sexual orientation. They might feel more hetero when they're with an opposite gendered partner. They might feel more homo or pan or bi or fluid when they're with someone of the same gender. Um, it's always an evolution. I always try to remind people that in terms of just things that we enjoy sexually that it's an evolution and as we move through the world, we are noticing things, feeling things, taking in things, pushing away from things based on our mood, how we feel about our body, based on our partner choice, based on energy levels, based on things that are happening in the world. We're very fluid individuals. Postmodernism really nailed it. We are multi-phrenic, we are protein, we are relational, and all those words come together to mean we're always changing moment by moment, phase by phase, and that we're different in every relationship. And I've said this on the show before, I'm different with my patients from how I am with my mom, from how I am with my partner, from how I am with my friends, because it's a co-creation. I'm responding to what me and this person in front of me creates. Sometimes it's more humorous because we bring the humor out in each other. Others with my patients, it's more professional. With my mom, it's more gent gentler, transparent, and vulnerable. It's co-created, but we're always changing. I, I say that openly when I'm on my lectures or book tours, that what I'm saying now, I might say the opposite next year. I'm always open to learning, growing, and changing. It's, there's nothing fixed, and gender is very much that way. How someone identifies this week might be different next week. There's something beautiful in that. Don't be scared of that. Don't be thrown off by that. Why? People are allowed to update what they like food-wise. Hey, I just started trying Middle Eastern cuisine. I love it. I've been bringing it into everything I cook at home. And then a week later, I've just really tried more, you know, 
Southeast Asian flavors and cuisines and I'm bringing more, you know, vegetarian options forward. Great. Roll with it. Musical tastes. I know that for me, you know, I used to listen only to like punk rock and rock music and now moving into more electronic folk music. Um, both are real, both are honest, both are me. I'm an open system. We all are always changing, always updating moment by moment. Rigidity is the opposite of mental health. Rigidity is the opposite of physical health. Animals, human and non-human animals, the ones that survive and do the best are the ones that are flexible and adaptive. Neurology, a healthy brain is flexible and adaptive. Psychology, flexible and adaptive. Dealing with what's occurring and having the resources to show up to every different moment. That's health. Gender's that way as well. All right, we're going to take a little break and we're going to keep talking about ways to be a better trans ally. But as always, there's a lot we can learn about life in this topic and I'll keep trying to call that out. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're talking about how to be a better trans ally. Good stuff and a lot of lessons we can take from this to take into other areas of our life. So we were talking first off about just normalizing the concepts of pronouns, that they matter, that it's a mental health issue, that it's a social justice issue, that they really are important to start to think about because it's about respect and compassion for the people around us. It also is liberating. It's liberating for me to realize that there's more support in stepping outside of traditional malehood if you're a man and stepping out, try to stepping outside of traditional heterosexuality or femininity. There are no traits that are feminine. I, I will always push back on that. Any trait you deem to be female or feminine, you will see in males as well, thereby making it a male trait as well. Even if it's a minority, it's still there for a male trait, just less profound or less supported. It's really culturally driven. It's culturally, socially created. We decide and have been raised being told what is okay. Boys are not genetically, naturally drawn towards the color blue. That is not a real thing. But they are constantly pushed towards it. They see people modeling that, role modeling that. They are shown that only girls wear pink. That is not a real thing. Guys also like those colors. And you will see people like Kanye West wearing pink, all pink, right? It's an evolution towards more diversity. But we are so afraid of living our true selves and we're always trying to follow the rules of all of our different identities. If we're a professional, we're always trying to be professional. God forbid, on our social media, we post non-professional pictures. Professionalism is a part of our identity, not our total identity. We're allowed to have a non-professional social media. Social media isn't always our professionalism. Same thing with our gender. We're allowed to step outside of what we've been told is only appropriate for specific genders. It's healthy to do that. And the conversation around pronouns reminds us that. Um, also, we were talking about asking, not making assumptions based on how you see someone, based on their presentation that doesn't necessarily tell you what the pronouns might be. And if you want people to feel cared for and feel safe around you, stuff is important. Not assuming, we talked about that. Practice. The best way to get used to pronouns that are new to you is to practice because people will mess up because anything new requires repetition. And so I want everyone to know that messing up with someone's, you know, new last name, if they got married, if they still do that, someone changing their pronouns or whatever it is, it takes practice because if we've really gotten in the habit of doing the old naming, understand it's going to take time to update that. But the term we use is dead naming to dead name. Someone is to call them by the name that they were, that was placed upon them at birth. That is no longer relevant to who they are. It's an act of care. Just like if someone says, I'm no longer married please use my former last name, or this is the nickname I go by, you honor that. It isn't about you. No one cares what your thoughts or feelings are about that. It's about the person. So whether or not you like this pronoun piece, it doesn't matter. It's not about you. If there's a human being in front of you and they're saying, these are my pronouns, the only correct answer is, got it. Think about that. that that's, that's applicable to any area of life. I'm always telling people, don't talk about people's bodies, whether they gained weight or lost weight. It isn't about you. It isn't about what you're noticing. It isn't about your thoughts. It's about them. And people are more comfortable when we're not discussing their bodies or their mental health struggles. And this is part of that. Also, including our pronouns. We talked about that a little bit. I'd like to this as well. This came up in some of the research on being a better trans ally. Inclusive intros. So instead of saying something like, good evening, ladies and gentlemen, you say something like, hey, y'all, hey, guys, 
I don't like hey guys, but that is more generalized in our in our in our usage. Incorporate language that's more inclusive, like howdy folks, hey y'all, good evening everyone. It's more welcoming. It lets everyone in the room know that you understand diversity and inclusion. And again, why would you not want to be inclusive? Why would we want to use languaging or phrases that make people feel oppressed or marginalized? Like, think about that. If that's if that's who you are, you're not a good person. You're putting your comfort and preference over someone else's sense of safety and compassion and inclusion. What does that say about you? Let's be better than that. Let's let's think about the other more. It, 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 it takes no time or energy to make these changes. And I've tried to get better about that as well. I say, hey, y'all, how's everyone doing? I don't have to put everyone in a box of male or female. It's just not real. Here's another good one. Apologize. That's something that's really important. If you mess up or you say something wrong, own it. Apologize. I want everyone to get better at that in general but especially around gender and language. Mistakes happen. Just say sorry, fix the language. Don't make a big deal. Don't make them feel bad. You don't have to feel bad. And then just do better next time. And I'm seeing a lot of people work on that. Hey, I'm really sorry I misgendered you. And then they repeat the correct gender and then they do better next time. That's all you have to do. Say sorry, make the correction in front of them and move on. A lot of people have too much anxiety about making a mistake. It happens. It happens to all of us. We call someone the wrong name because we forget their name. We call someone the wrong name because we confuse them with someone else. Gender is going to be a part of that. We have to be open to people making mistakes. People get in the habits they get in, and it takes time to practice. I remember a friend who had changed their name. It was non. It was completely not related to gender. It was that they chose a nickname. Well, for 10 years, I'd called them their, their former name. So I had to practice, and I did practice. But at times, I made mistakes, and I'd call them their former name. And I had to say, oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I apologize. I'd repeat the new name, and I, got, and I moved on. You know, most people are open to that as long as you're respectful and caring. And then uh, finally, correct. When you hear someone use the wrong pronouns for someone, correct them. Be an ally. That's the most powerful way we're an ally. We correct people. Whether or not this other individual is around doesn't matter. We're trying to be a part of that change in the world. All right, we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back and slide into those DMs. So stick around for that. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Oh, Rachel, we are back. Now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. All right. Uh, here we go. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I've got a question. <clears throat> My partner made it clear when we first met that he wanted an open relationship. One year later, I have discovered that I'm not naturally able to cope with that. The jealousy and the fear that it brings up for me is incredibly painful. I also find myself constantly comparing and despairing. My question is, can I work through this? I love him very much and I'm trying my best. I've read every book I can find, including Rebel Love, by the way. Thank you. That's my book, Rebel Love. Both Sex Outside the Lines and Rebel Love are my books and they very much speak to a lot of these things, sex, gender, relationships. So check them out, Rebel Love, Sex Outside the Lines. And you said you're also currently in therapy. That's awesome. Do you think there's hope for us? Uh, it's an interesting question. I, I, I think what's going to matter first or what's going to matter most is how you go about always engaging this topic. A lot of times individuals uh, focus more on getting to a solution and think that that's what's more important. And they're not paying attention to how they're impacting each other in the relationship while discussing, processing and working through the topic. But in fact, what matters most is not getting to a solution. We're, we've got all the time in the world. We don't need to rush. What matters most is how are we having these conversations? Are they loving? Are they relational? Are we keeping an eye on how we're impacting each other and the quality of the relationship as we work through this? Because this is something that's not solved today, tomorrow, this week, or this month necessarily. So that's what you should be focusing on. And you're in therapy, so I imagine that that's been you know reiterated to you. So start with that because not every issue is resolvable. This might be something that in order to be together, it's constantly a ball that's kept in the air. I, I don't know. You might always feel the way you feel and your partner might always feel the way they feel and the decision might have to be made from there. I don't, I don't know that there's a solution that will be you know, comfortable for everyone. Maybe you aren't compatible relationally because relational compatibility is about wanting the same levels of closeness, the same structures around monogamy or openness. Um, and just because we like someone, just because we're attracted to them, just because we enjoy them doesn't mean that we have what it takes to build a relationship, especially if people want two different structures. 
Can you learn and grow around this? Of course, stepping into an open relationship for you might be the greatest act of love and care that you do for this person who you're with. It might also be a, a chance for you to learn how to deal with jealousy, how to work on confidence, how to work on not feeling as though you know, monogamy is going to protect you because it doesn't. It's a structure. And when we're missing trust and security in our relationship, we lean on structures. And we'll say, I'm going to go through your phone. You can't have friends that are your ex. You can't, you know, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, that doesn't make us feel safe. That just keeps us in a panic state. So it's about working on the quality of the relationship. If you feel cared for and trust is there, then you can manage anything. And so you might say, I want to step into learning how to be in an open relationship so I can practice really trusting and not relying on monogamy to somehow protect me because it doesn't. Things can still happen. Or you'll realize the opposite. It'll be too much ongoing distress and work for me and it's not worth it. It will tank my mental health and negatively impact other aspects of my life. And then you'd have to say to your partner, I, I can't do that. And then your partner will have to decide if this is something they want to be a part of. Um, they'll, your partner might have to look at what is the, what is the importance for, for them in being open and how important is what they think that will give them. You know, often we're up against that. To, to be in a relationship with anyone is to inherently have a set of limits imposed on us based on a lot of different factors. Our financial situation and coming together, different life aspects, um, health, lack of health, traumas from our past. Again, just because we want to be with someone doesn't mean we can. Not every couple can pull it off. Couples think that though. Like that couples therapy is always about finding a way to make this work. Well, no, sometimes couples therapy is realizing we can't and that this won't be good for us, and we have to look at other solutions. I don't know that you're there yet, but you're gonna have to really look at what am I up against, and can I turn, maybe giving my partner what they're asking for, is there a way I can find growth in myself in that? But I'm glad you're in therapy. But your basic question was just, can I work through this? Yes, but in working through it, you might realize that you can't do it. I don't know that working through it is always gonna mean that it is something that's gonna be comfortable for you, so you have to be open to that. Keep the dialogue open, but like I said, focus more on the quality of the relationship, not prioritizing getting to a solution. All right, y'all, that is our DMs. If you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Anything you're wondering about, we got answers for y'all, so drop them in there. It's always open 24-7, kind of like a 7-Eleven. All right, we're gonna take a little break. We will be back, so stick around. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're going to take a little time to talk about dating app burnout. Oh, I am seeing it coming in my office and in my friends' lives in droves. Oh, we are so tired. And yet the apps are one of the most uh, used ways that people find love and sex in the world. People aren't doing it through friends anymore. People are out at bars and gatherings and parties and events and they're on their phones. I'm looking at them on their phones. Their faces are down, even at the gym and supermarkets. No one has their head up so as to acknowledge someone or attract someone or catch someone's eye or even start a conversation. So that is part of why we can't be dating in the, in, out in the real world. Not, not, not to say that online isn't real, it is. And we need to really actually recognize that because I think we don't take it seriously enough. We'll come back to that. But I'll start by reminding everyone, if you don't want to use the apps, that's cool. You're limiting your chances. I think it's great because with the apps, you're always available. Whether you're actively logged on or not, you're still floating around there. Uh, gives you a wide breadth of people you can meet far, far, far away versus only meeting people that are local. But if you don't want to do it, cool. You better live in the world in a single way and you better be assertive. I don't care what your gender is. It doesn't matter. You can no longer expect people that are cis males or males or trans males or whatever it is or someone who's butch or more masculine to be the assertive one. It doesn't work like that. So are you walking around with music playing and your head down? Well, good luck. How can someone ever hit on you? How can you hit on someone? How can you acknowledge someone? Are, is your face always in your phone? Again, another example, you can't. If you want to be met in the world or you want to meet people, you better be available, accessible, smiling, making eye contact, approaching people, starting conversations, engaging in conversations. Like you got to do the work. Otherwise, you keep yourself single. So that's my first thing before we even get into dating apps and dating app burnout. If you don't want to use them, cool. But whether you are a male or a female, non-binary, fluid, it doesn't matter. You need to ask people out. Period. Otherwise, good luck. Because the people I'm working with are tired and burnt out and they're no longer willing to be the assertive ones all the time. And if your headphones are on and your face is down and you're not smiling and making eye contact, how is someone going to approach you? 
and you're limiting your ability to be hit on or to hit on someone if when you're out of the house, you are not accessible, period, period. Because I'm working with my clients on noticing consent and availability, and they're not forcing themselves on people. And some of them are waiting for others to hit on them. They're practicing being less assertive. So just know that. And that's why I think the apps are awesome. It levels the playing field a little bit more. It makes it more accessible and easy. We know if someone's on there, they're open to being approached or hit on. Out in the world, at the gym, in the supermarket, we never know. But I'm a fan of everyone taking advantage of any space they're in. So I do tell people it is okay to flirt at the gym or supermarket with consent, acknowledging how you're landing on them. If anyone's showing a lack of interest or disconnecting, you shut up, you walk away, and you move on. We don't keep chasing. We don't pursue. That is not consent-based behavior. And so hear that if you're on the receiving end, you need to be present and you need to show signs of interest so that the healthy person will keep pursuing you. But I want you to also pursue people. If you're all just laying around in your life waiting to be pursued, you're part of the problem. It doesn't matter what your reasons are. You need to work on healing the things that are holding you back. That is an important part of being single if you want relationship. If you want to stay single, that's cool. That's healthy. That's okay. Own that. But if you don't, you need to work on dismantling the barriers that prevent you from finding relationship. And often it's because we won't do the work that we want others to do. We want them to be assertive, even though there's burnout as we are, but we're not willing to do anything. We, we kick people out over the smallest infractions. They say one thing we don't like and bam, we're gone. We make things that should be red flags, which means we stick around and we learn more and find out more. We make them deal breakers and we boot them out. I can't tell you how many people tell me what their deal breakers are and they are not deal breakers. Deal breakers are really only abuse, physical or verbal. Deal breakers are racism or homophobia. Those are deal breakers. But red flags are things that are annoying or frustrating. Know the difference. If something's annoying or frustrating, you hang in there. If we're always pushing people out because they're annoying or frustrating, you will be keeping yourself trapped in singledom. Welcome, welcome to your future. So I wanna really drive that home before we get into the dating app piece. If you're choosing to not use them, and even if you are, you still need to make proper use of the rest of your life. And we have to get better at being a little more resilient and not letting the smallest infractions be reasons why we get rid of people. They're too short. They don't like the same movies I like. It'll never work. Those aren't real things, and those aren't things that actually matter. Because commonalities and differences don't determine the health or success of a relationship. Those are not the factors. It's not about having a lot in common or a little bit in common. It's what happens when our personalities come together. Do we like each other as people? And if so, we can manage differences. That's an important part of being in a relationship of any kind with family members, friends, coworkers. So remember that. Spend the next couple of days as you're out in the world pointing out to yourself, what are you doing that's making it hard for you to hit on people or to be hit on? Acknowledge that. How approachable am I making myself? And am I approaching others? And if not, why? And whatever your reason is, it's not good enough. Work through it. Get better than that. All right, y'all, we're going to take a break and come back. DMs, always open. Got a question for us? Bam, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Any questions you got, any topics you want covered, you want us to circle back to, let us know. And uh, we are channelq.com. That's the website you want to go to to check out past episodes of Loveline. You can binge, post, share, re-listen. Lots of good gems over there, so go over there and check it out. Uh, you can also check out some of those other shows while you're over there. They're not so bad. Uh, but DMs, definitely hit us up in the DMs. But um, all right, we'll be back talking about dating app burnout. You're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We'll be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and uh, talking about those darn dating apps, but more importantly, dating app burnout, which... Feel free to take this outside of the sexual relational domain and make it just uh, app or technology burnout. But I'm zeroing in on the dating app part because I'm working with a lot of individuals that are desperately wanting love and partnership and they're burnt out on these apps. Um, I often remind y'all, I think I was talking about this last night on last night's show, maybe the night before, the before, during, and after. Before you pick up your app, check in with your mood. Because again, these apps had the potentiality of making our day worse, making us feel less desirable, making us feel less confident in the possibility of finding love and relationality. Not your fault, it's the fault of a lot of the users, which I hope my listeners are better at use of these apps and they are taking it seriously, knowing that you know there's someone else on the receiving end of how this is all going and they're handling that with love and care. But check in with yourself. If you're not in the best space, please keep your phone down. Rarely do people say, thank God I picked my phone up when I was having a hard day because what I either saw on my Instagram or more importantly for this topic, what I saw on my dating app made me so happy. It's usually the opposite. It makes their day harder. 
So I'm kind of advocating with the dating apps only go on when you're in a good mood because of your mental health, but also because of other people's mental health. And this is something that I've left out of the conversation. So I'm, I'm trying to bring it in tonight and more so moving forward that the, the mood uh, and the temperament you have when you go on is going to impact the mental health of the people you're interacting with. People are reading to me very, very harsh conversations. And it's very clear that the person on the other end came out swinging. They were not in a great mood, almost looking for a fight, not realizing that if you're feeling angry and disappointed or picking fights that you need to put the phone down. You shouldn't be texting anyone. You shouldn't be communicating on the apps in any way. You're, you're, you're acting out. And so really checking with yourself. If I'm in a great mood, I'm feeling confident, go on them. But if I'm having a hard day or a lonely day, it will most likely not provide what you need. If you're feeling lonely, call a friend. If you're feeling bored, go do something. But going on the apps usually increases the disappointment and frustration because it tends to these days be more complication and frustration than alleviation and positivity. So ask yourself, like, what kind of, what am I needing right now? If I'm needing a little joy, a little fun, it ain't going to be the apps that are going to give you that. Call the right friend, watch the right movie, put on a song you like, go cook something, go for a walk, go window shopping, masturbate, um, look at some porn, have a little fun, whatever you need to do, find that joy. Yeah, that's right. I'm advocating for sex as a form of soothing. It's a beautiful form of soothing and regulation. Sexuality, maybe make yourself something, a fun snack. I love baking when I'm in a bad mood, eating something that I just made, something that puts a little smile on my face, a cupcake, a muffin. Uh, mine are all plant-based, but still delicious. So ask yourself what I need. The apps are really only needing to be approached when you're in a good space because they're getting more complicated. And for those listeners that have never been on them, y'all are probably better for it. So we're not letting these things burn us down, but we're also, again, taking into account how we're impacting others. So if you're in a great space, go on. But if not, you're probably going to pick a fight. You're probably going to really maybe burn down some of these potential relationships. I, I have clients often show me and read me the conversations they're engaging in because we're looking at how they're showing up. We're looking at their mental health while they're on there. And we're also looking at how they're impacting others' mental health. And I see some people that are clearly not in a great space and they're acting it out on the apps, taking it out on other people you know, short fuse, getting angry over small infractions. These were never made to make our lives harder. So I'm a fan of them. I prescribe the apps. I think it's a great way to make friends, you know, romance, sex, uh, expand your social reach, but can also become a source of violence and oppression. The body shaming, the STD shaming, the femphobia, the sexual racism, um, non-sexual racism. So we want to pay attention to that. Uh, it impacts our mental health. And, you know, these apps are meant to be a supplement to your social life. They're not meant to be a substitute. And that's what I'm trying to get at. It's not a substitute for, you know, you feeling lonely or disconnected. It's a supplement. But some people go on there needing that stimulation, needing that connection, and it's not gonna provide that, it's not meant to. Again, it's that example of if you're hungry, that means your body is saying, I need nourishment, I need food. But if we grab a Snickers bar, it's gonna fill us up, has no vitamins, no chemical, I'm sorry, has no vitamins, no minerals, no phytochemicals, no fiber, no protein, none of the things that are gonna nourish us. And so it doesn't meet that need. And so how, do you, how are you left feeling? Still hungry, still undernourished. Feeling maybe worse because maybe some of those things in that bloat you. I'm not knocking candy, I'm not knocking Snickers bar. I think there's a place for them. I think we should snack. We should have joy brought in our lives via food and other means. But it isn't meant to suit a need rooted in nourishment. And that's why I'm trying to get people to ask themselves before they pick up the app, what is it I'm looking for? And is this app able to provide that, the dating app? And if not, let me go get that need met. Most of the people sitting on there are feeling lonely and disconnected and it's not taking anywhere, anyone anywhere good. So again, it's meant to be a supplement to your social life, but it's not meant to be your entire social life. Do the difficult work of going out in the world if that's what you're looking for. Call a friend, get out of the house, whatever it is. But we have to be more aware of ourselves. This is where consciousness comes in, mindfulness. So again, if you're not having fun, you're not feeling good while on these dating apps, take a break. If you're feeling angry, you're feeling frustrated while you're actively on them, guess what? Take a break. If you're getting into arguments with people, take a break. These are signs that you're misusing it. These are signs that your mental health needs some attention because they're meant to add joy to your life. I want, these, are, these, are, these, apps, these dating apps are here for you to connect and fall in love and go on dates. Focus on that only. But they're not there to not make you bored. They're not there to help you deal with your loneliness. 
They're not there to help you deal with anything you're struggling with mental health wise. And that's why we should only be going on them when we're in a great mood, when we're feeling good. Because a lot of people are saying things like, oh, people are addicted to their apps. No, they're not. We're just failing to manage them and use them in the right ways. We're not checking in with ourselves. And that's why we're staying trapped on them because we're trying to seek something from them that they cannot provide. We have to bring that mindfulness in. That goes for all technology. That goes for a lot of things in our lives, but we're speaking specifically right now to dating apps. Using them better will alleviate all the problems that you know we think that they're causing. It's that consciousness. All right, so we're going to take a little break. We're going to come back, keep talking about dating app burnout. It's a mental health issue, y'all. And uh, then we'll be doing some DMs. So uh, stick around for that. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. We will be right back. All right, y'all, we are back and we're just kind of closing out on our discussion of dating app burnout. Talking a lot about the fact that like a lot of things in our life, if we bring mindfulness or consciousness to them and we say, hey, what's going on with me right now? What is it I need? We can then go get that need met. But we often take the law of human gravity, the easiest, fastest route. And instead of Again, if we're bored, doing something stimulating. Again, if we're lonely, going and seeing a friend or getting out of the house, we'd rather just pick up our phones. But they don't give us what we need. And so we feel bad still. And we still tr- we're still we trapped on it because we're, we're going to keep going. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to find joy. I'm going to find stimulation. I'm going to find connection. And so we stay on it. We stay on it. But it's like staying in a supermarket that's out of the food products you went there to get. Well, the shelf's empty and I needed beans, so I'm just going to keep circling the supermarket and I'm going to feel bad. I'm going to feel disconnected. I'm losing hope that what I need is available and I know that it's not here, but I'm just going to keep circling with my cart. Oh God, if you realized I need beans, beans aren't here. Let me go where I can find beans. Bam. Mood stays intact. You stay positive. You feel like the world provides, but we're staying in a cycle seeking something that can't be found. Well, that's going to impact our mood, our mental health, and keep us trapped in that cycle because we just keep trying, keep hitting it. So again, it's not an addiction to these apps. It's that we're failing to manage their use. We're failing to check in with ourselves, and we're seeking something on them that can't be found. The mindfulness has us check in with ourselves. Why am I going online? Is what I'm going online for able to be found or accessed online? Are you happy? Are you horny? You looking to connect? Are you lonely, sad, feeling disconnected? Because there's the answers. If you're happy, go online. You'll manage whatever comes up. You're looking to connect, go online. It's very possible you can have a little chat. If you're horny, go online. Maybe you'll find some sex. If you're lonely or sad or disconnected, stay offline (laughs) because it doesn't promise those things. Find those needs in another way because not only will it not be there, it might actually make you feel worse. So the apps aren't a problem. When used right, they can provide a lot of benefits, you know, and technology is going to keep evolving. And anytime technology evolves, it definitely filters down into the social and the sexual. Always. Those are really powerful, motivating forces in our lives. They're drives of sorts, but they're misused and we're not paying attention to what it is we're really seeking. So, you know, it's the positive feelings that are the times we should feel confident going on. Uh, But turning to them when you're feeling bad or sad or lonely, it's just going to really enhance that feeling. Um, and again, that applies to anything that applies to sex that applies to food. You know, I work with some people where they turn to sex to get all their needs met. You know, they don't feel attractive. They turn to sex with their partner. They don't feel close. They turn to sex with their partner. Can it sometimes provide that? Sure. But it's really meant to be an outlet for, you know, some intimacy and some fun. It's not necessarily supposed to make you feel hot and desirable or safe. It can, but it's not always going to be. There's other ways to get that need met. And we talk about that with food. Food's a great form of coping. Sometimes can't be our only method but it's not going to keep you company. So if you're lonely, we don't want to turn to food. <laughs> if we need a little joy, turn to food. If we need a little happiness, turn to food. If we need a little fun, turn to food. If we're hungry, turn to food. It's not going to help us with our loneliness. It's not going to help us necessarily with our boredom. Socialization tends to be the answer for a lot of things. You know, sitting with someone, having them hold space for us, having our needs and our worth mirrored back, especially if we ask for it. Uh, but these apps get a lot of heat and uh, they're not going anywhere. In fact, they're all expanding. Someone just told me that um, WhatsApp, which is a, uh, I think it's free, right? And you don't necessarily need internet connection or phone line per se. Um, they're expanding into the realm of uh, videos and whatnot. Uh, that's going to burn us out if nothing else does. Uh, 
God bless it. And there's more to come. You know, we can't even conceive of what is part of the next evolution in technological development. I'm, I'm not even sure where we're going next. That kind of forecasting is really outside the scope of the research and work that I do. All this to say is mental health matters. And if we can come back to ourselves and say, how am I feeling and how might this impact me? And, and if it's risky, I don't step into it. And also saying, what are the needs that I have? And are there better ways to get those needs met? We move through the world very unconscious, not checking in with ourselves, and then wondering why we're often feeling let down or disappointed. And the law of human gravity, as I called out, is that we're most drawn towards what we think will work or what has worked in the past, but also what's easiest and quickest and fastest. And I even see that in therapy. People are like, here's my issue. How many sessions can I get rid of it? And I'm like, whoa, slow down. We can't always be rushing to quick fixes. In fact, most fixes take more time. Apps are the same way. You got to hang in there, but you got to know what it is you're looking for first. So uh, check in on that. Our mood is always a good barometer for whether or not we should approach something or not. If we're not in a great space, there's certain friends we don't reach out to or family members, right? If we're not feeling good about ourselves, maybe there's are certain environments we avoid because it's risky and often it lets us down. We want to have a sense of that. That's part of mental health is knowing where your needs can get met. But more importantly, you have to first know what your needs are. And we're very disconnected from that. A lot of people, they only have one feeling, anger. A lot of people, they have one coping mechanism. They always go to this one thing and that really kind of blocks us and keeps us from really learning about ourselves. So we'll keep talking about it, bringing more awareness to it, tracking it. It's all we can do, trying to improve. We're not trying to be perfect. We're just trying to catch things faster, deal with them better, have them have less severity, less impact negatively. Uh, all right, we're gonna take a little break. When we come back though, we will be sliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. We'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on Channel Q and Odyssey. Stick around. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Oh, Rachel, we are back, and now it's time to slide into those DMs. Sliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I'm a lesbian, and I've been on and off with my girlfriend for three years. Told her that I'm not ready for a relationship right now because I'm focused on my career. Recently, she got into an accident, and I'm the only person she has in the area, so of course I've been over there constantly. She now feels that I'm back in her life and that maybe we're getting back together or are back together. How do I tell her that that's not what's happening? First off, I just want to applaud you. I think that's really very kind of you to be someone's care and support. When people get injured, we really rely upon the aid of others. Everyone has access to friends, family members, or support. So I love that you're trying to be available and to be that for your friend or your, uh, I don't know what you'd call this person, <laughs> your friend, I'll use that word. But oftentimes when people say, how do I tell someone? The answer is by telling them. I, I don't know what you mean by how do I tell them? Usually when someone says that, what they really mean is I'm anxious. How do I have less anxiety? And the answer also is you can't. You might be disappointing someone and letting them down. I think that's where the anxiety comes from. You're aware that you both are on two different pages. You're aware that you both want two different things. So how do you tell them? By telling them in a clear, direct way. You have to create some space and sit down and say, honestly, I want to talk about what's going on with us because I'm concerned that as a result of me being here all the time and aiding you in your recovery, that you're seeing that as us being back together, but that's in fact not what I'm looking for, period. That's how you tell them. And then you have to show up to whatever kind of feelings they have. 
You might even have to be accountable to some of the things they point out that you've done that might have misled them. I don't know if you were still sleeping with them or cuddling and being affectionate. Like, I don't know what you might have been adding in there that's always allowing them to possibly consider that this was a being back together. We often do things consciously and unconsciously that communicate that. But um, how do you tell them by telling them? I don't really know what you mean otherwise. <clears throat> um, we're not going to write them a little note. We're not going to send them an email. You're going to sit down and, and confront, you know, this, this miss, this miscommunication. And I, I do want you to maybe first look at your part so that you can bring that in and say, Hey, I realized I was doing a, B and C and that that might've been confusing for you. Or maybe you realize you haven't done anything. That's just your mere presence. I don't know, but you need to sit down and talk about it immediately. This person's feelings matter. And the longer you ride this out, the longer, well, the more time they have to get it more attached to you and to really buy into this. Um, but I would also say if this person's as important to you as a parent, as a, you know, they seem to be, let them know you still do want a friendship and you need to then keep showing up. After we deliver disappointing news, it's important that we don't lean out and back away because then we can also drift. They might go into shame. They might be feeling disappointment. So stay present and lean in and, and show them that you're still a friend with your presence and your continued care. This should be able to all go smoothly. You've been on and off, you said, for three years. So this person is familiar with time away from, time with disconnection. So that's going to be on your side. So I would say to kind of capitalize on that, but stop doing whatever you might be doing that's miscommunicating that. And if your mere presence is all that you're doing, I want you to continue to do that, but you have to clarify what your presence means. And I want everyone that's listening to know we should at any moment we think someone misunderstands our presence in their life or the relationship we have, we should correct it on the spot. Very honestly, very lovingly, very transparently, but you need to correct people like, hey, I'm getting the feeling that you think we're on a date right now. Is that what you think is happening? Because I'm just here with a friend having coffee. I know that's hard to do. We need to do that, which is also why I'm telling people if you ask someone on a date, use the word date so that people always know where we stand. We have to get away from miscommunications, thinking that they understand, mind reading, because all of that is wrapped up in our own anxiety about being transparent and honest, which is why you're asking me, how do I tell them? Because I know you know the answer, by telling them, but you're anxious. But there's no way to reduce that anxiety. You might be delivering disappointing news. We have to learn how to do that if we're gonna be in relationships with people. So own your part by looking at what that might be first and sitting down immediately and clarifying and staying close and staying connected because you should be able to be friends after this and also compliment to you i'm glad that you're willing to show up for this person more people have to do that it's called community care not everyone has friends and family members otherwise that they can rely on so it's a beautiful thing all right y'all that is our show this weekend tons of self-care carve out some time for that put your phones down for hours maybe the entire day turn it off put it down stick it in a drawer be present in your life be present with yourself be present with those around you uh, also rest as much as possible. Take the weekend off if you can. Just fun and pleasure. We're not, it's not laziness. It's not boredom. It's not downtime. We're not, you know, wasting time where it's, it's regenerative. Um, but otherwise y'all, we'll see you next week. As always, thanks for hanging out and you enjoy the rest of your night. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. 